You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of them did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm normally joined by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. But this is going to be a solo podcast for anyone that missed it. Shane shared the news there. Sorry, we didn't have a podcast on Wednesday. Uh, We weren't scheduled to have one originally here on Thursday either, but figured to give you guys a solo podcast, better than none. I even considered replacing Shane just for the day. (laughs) Of course, you can never replace the the big Tennessee homer, so uh, no worries there. But uh, for anyone that didn't hear, Shane had a little bit of a health issue, and uh, I'm not going to get into anything more than that because it's not my place to share his private information, but... I know he'd appreciate anyone reaching out, giving him some encouragement. Uh, That would go a long way to getting our uh, big Tennessee homer back on the air, getting back on his feet. He's scheduled to be back here on a Friday Pick'ems podcast, so look forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to go solo edition just for this one. It's not going to be quite as entertaining without our Tennessee homer, uh, but we're going to give it a go anyway. And we're going to start here with Donnell Stanley, South Carolina offensive lineman. You know, there's been some talk. I know the fans, not a big fan of noon kickoffs. Well, Downhill Stanley's got a strategy guide for you guys. Angry with these noon games. Now, Ernest was talking about how he does think it's it's beneficial for you guys to be able to play at noon games, being yep. able to get into a routine. How much do you believe that, and uh, does it give you guys an advantage playing early? Yeah, every morning I, I wake up at 5:45, so I mean we're I'm in bed early and I'm getting getting up early. So early kids they don't mean any much to me. I mean, I guess it's for fans. I mean, if fans want to, they can go to bed at like five o'clock on Friday morning. I mean Friday night, Friday evening. Um, Guess wake up around three, start drinking beer and everything, and tailgating, and then come to the game. So, <laughs> all right. So I know listeners will appreciate that. Wake up at three a.m. like Donnell Stanley says. Go to bed at five. You can get on the boozing train. I mean, that's that's a plan right there. That's one uh, I know Shane and I would both encourage. I just thought that was great. But uh, enough of that stuff. Let's go around the league. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the My, my daughter's said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. 
why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Uh, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, we got a big matchup here in Arkansas this week as Auburn's got two weeks to prepare coming into Fayetteville. War damn eagle. Tigers are a big favorite in this one, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Obviously, the last time they were on the field, you know, they really got handled by the Gators. That took me a surprise. And I thought Florida could give them a game, but I didn't think they'd get dominated quite like they did. Bo Nix. You know, that was obviously his worst game as a college football player. That's going to be a challenge for Gus Malzahn and his offensive staff, getting Bo Nix going. I know it's Arkansas, but Arkansas is fighting for their lives, even though they have some turmoil there. I mean, all that ends if they can find a way to upset Auburn in Fayetteville. All that talk goes away. So this is a huge game on both sides. And, of course, this is going to be the first game for Auburn without Booby Whitlow. How do they respond that uh, we saw it there. While, yes, I, I mean, I even hit on it just now, Bo Nix's struggle against Florida. The real issue with Auburn's offense in that game was the was the running game. I mean, it's all based on that. If the Tigers cannot get the ground game going, that entire offense does not work. I mean, that's how they did it against A&M and Mississippi State and Oregon. It's when that ground game kicks in, that's when they get going. That's when it, uh, you know, you take that pressure off Bo Nix. So they really need to be able to do that against Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, obviously, not the greatest of SEC teams, but they have been able to effectively stop the run at times. John Chavis has had a lot of success against Gus Malzahn. They've gone head-to-head for years now in the SEC West, so that's been a talking point all week. Uh, so this is going to be a big game for Gus Malzahn. We always look at these teams with two weeks to prepare, and it's, it's always looked at as a bonus. Just look last week, Mississippi State, two weeks to prepare against Tennessee. If you don't prepare the right way, it's obviously not an advantage. So how are the Tigers going to come into this game? No Booby Whitlow. Bo Nix coming off a terrible performance. Uh, Gus Malzahn was asked about that recently. Let's kick it over to him, uh, and then we'll discuss it on the other side. Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt. And things that he feels comfortable with. And you get on the practice field and the things that he can execute at a high level, that's what you call. Things that may be that, hey, we need a little more time, we don't call it. So, you know, it's really as simple as that. What he feels comfortable with, and we've worked hard on that uh, last week. We'll continue that this week. Now, he feels more comfortable with a lot of things more than he did the first game. But, you know, now we've got halfway through our season, and uh, we had an off week. So we're in a different spot. He's not that same true freshman he was the very first game of the year where we're learning. We know a lot about him. He knows a lot about our offense. And we have a plan moving forward for the second half of the season. Well, I mean, I, first of all, you got to be real. I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to go to Arkansas with, with one of the best tailbacks in our league. I mean, I just think that's the reality of the thing. But we do have confidence in our other guys, and we got confidence in our offensive line. And, you know, what we've been talking about is opportunity. So we got some guys that have opportunities, you know. Like I said, we'll we'll see how they fare. You know, Cam Martin, we know a lot about him. Cam Martin's played a lot of a lot of big games and, and, and played well. And Shivers is a guy that you know we just talked about that he's capable of making his plays. DJ Williams, we talked about him that you know this will be really his first time and prime time to see what he can do. But 
you know, in the fall, he he did he performed very or spring he performed very well. Um, then Harold Joyner will have a role, and uh, he has played, you know, specifically in the Texas A&M game and, and did a solid job. And then Malik Miller's kind of a specialized guy, so you know we're carrying that group as a group. We'll see how they do, but I mean, we, I'd be kidding myself to say Booby Whitlow not going with us is is uh, not a big blow, but. You know, we have opportunities for those other guys to show what they can do. We're evaluating DJ Williams last year. He was playing quarterback and really didn't come on the scene until senior year, but he was playing quarterback. How did you guys evaluate him and obviously see some of the things he can do as a running back and be able to play on the SEC level? Yeah. Um, you know, it was the middle of the season last year, and somebody showed me his highlight film, and, you know, it took about probably about five plays to figure out, like, that guy's a real player. And then everybody in the country offered him after that. And so he's he's got a skill set. And this spring, it, you know, he confirmed that and uh, just feeling more comfortable. You know, it, he got hurt. You know, he had a shoulder surgery after spring, and then he had a little groin issue earlier uh, where I think he would probably be in a better spot than his first opportunity probably. So... But uh, we got confidence in him. He's a talented young man. All right, so Shane kind of hit me up with this one the other day. Who will replace Whitlow in the lineup? And one of the first people I mentioned, DJ Williams, the freshman running back for Auburn. This kid's coming with a ton of hype. You heard it from Gus Malzahn there. I mean, one look at the kid, they knew what they had. And they had to beat out, uh, I, I believe he's a South Florida native. They had to beat out Alabama, Miami. I think Georgia got involved with that one. I know Tennessee did. Uh, kind of like Gus said, once the word got out, everybody saw this kid and everybody wanted him. So it was a re- you know a real heated recruiting battle. But Gus Malzahn got him first, got him on campus. So it, it may be DJ Williams' time to see what he's got. And it just seems like a lot of times with this Auburn offense, it's not that they can just plug in anybody, but when they do have a good runner, I mean, it's it kind of is plug and play. If they have the right back, to run the system. DJ Williams could be that next one. That's kind of be the key for the Tigers in this one, in my opinion. All right, jumping over to the other side of here. Let's go to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Chad Morris met with the media. And, man, it's been a tough week for the Razorbacks, of course. Uh, you know, Devin Bush, we hit on that. He's leaving the program. Now they've got the linebacker, McClure. It doesn't sound like Chad Morris even knows what's going on there. He's they thought McClure was uh, walking away from football, and then the next day McClure says, hey, I'm going to the NCAA transfer portal. He's going to be a graduate transfer. It's not like Arkansas can even f- afford to lose some linebacker depth, but that's what's happening. Um, I don't want to call it a dumpster fire quite yet in Fayetteville, but it's trending in that direction. But like I said, obviously they pull a huge upset here, beat Auburn. That turns the narrative quickly, so that's going to be focus- <laughs> that'll be a key in this game. And, uh, you know, if you really want to think about it, I know obviously fans only care about wins and losses here, but Arkansas has come very close against Kentucky, very close against A&M, very close against San Jose State. They're going to get tired of hearing that if it's close every time. But on the flip side, you could say, you know, a thing or two go right here. Maybe we win this game. Maybe we got some momentum. If the people and the players in that building are buying in, Maybe this is the game where all that turns around. So that's something Chad Morris hit on. You know, just keep working, keep grinding uh, on the fact that his team, it seems like, you know, with the struggles, there's there may be some splintering there. Chad Morris talked about that. And uh, this is a big shout-out to uh, Shane, our big tennis. This is a shout-out to Cousin Shane here. He was asked about K.J. Jefferson. And, no, this was not Shane asking the question in the presser. 
when you look at not finishing the games when you've gotten that close, what are the ingredients that are missing? What, what, what's going to put you over the top on these? Well, and that's our job as coaches to go back and, and, and figure out, is it, you know, you're, you're 20 yards away from winning the last two games and, and you've put yourself in position to win there at the end, to, to win uh, the majority of our games this season, all, all but one right there on that last drive. And um, whether it's a stop here, whether it's a, a conversion here, um, you know, putting ourselves in position. Are we, are we in the right play call? Are we, do we have the right check? Are we doing too much? Are we not doing enough? Um, you know, and, and that's really kind of what it comes down to. Um, and we've got to be able to find a way to get the ball in the end zone. And uh, we're putting ourselves in that position. Now we've got to finish the deal. And um, we just we haven't done that. Coach, with the way things have gone this season, sometimes teams have a tendency to splinter a little bit. How do you, what's your message to them? How do you keep them to kind of hunker down and, and keep, keep at it? Well, you know, you, you share with them, first of all, that you, you, you hurt with them, you hurt for them. Uh, we put in an, an, just, an, just an enormous amount of time. Um, you know, 353 days a year are, are to prepare for 12 opportunities. And, you know, so the time commitment that these players, these coaches put in is, is, is you know, enormous. Um, and you hurt with them. You hurt for them. Um, but as I shared with them in, in the locker room is, is you know, it's, it's going to turn. It's, it's turned uh, in the previous places that I've been a part of. Um, it's, it's difficult being stuck in a corner. Um, it's not fun at times being stuck in a corner. And the only way to get out is, is, is put your head down and keep swinging and keep working. And uh, assuring our, our players that they'll continue to keep playing hard and giving the effort that they're showing, um, that we're going to continue. We're, we're going to get out of it. We're going to get out of this corner that we're in. And, um, but it's, 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 it's not easy, and it's not going to be easy, and it's not getting any easier. And, um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, uh, uh, that we're going to flinch or we're going to back down because we're not going to do that. These guys haven't done that, and, and I don't anticipate that happening at all. So uh, our message is we're all in this together. It's, it's not one. It's not a group. It's all of us. And um, the only thing to do is put your head down and go to work. A couple things. With KJ, how far away is he from maybe getting into the game, playing, and, and what's he really need to work on? KJ, yeah. With KJ, um, you know, extremely talented, um, has done a great job working on the scout team. He's always in our position meetings and uh, working hard. Um, we'll keep bringing him along and, uh, and, and see where we're at with him. And, you know, obviously we'd love the opportunity to be able to redshirt him if we could. Um, but we're, you know, we'll keep bringing him along. <laughs> All right, Shannon, I hope you appreciate that KJ Jefferson question. Of course, it sounds like he's going to redshirt. Probably means he's the best damn quarterback on that roster. I'm just reading between the lines there. But like I said, so Chad Morris, it doesn't sound like they know what they're doing at the quarterback position. It's kind of yo-yo in that situation once again. You know, we're familiar with that. Ben Hicks, Nick Starkle splitting reps in practice this week. Chase, uh, Chase Hayden returning to practice. They say Rakeem Boyd is going to be good to go. That's huge. I mean, they if he's out of this game, the Razorbacks are going to get blown out. He's a difference maker with uh, him and O'Grady, the two best players on the team, in my opinion. Uh, so that's going to be huge. But uh, it, this is going to be an interesting game here. And, I mean, I just for Arkansas fans, I hope it's a lot closer than a lot of people are predict, predicting it to be. All right, let's jump on down to Columbia. 
where South Carolina obviously coming off the huge win in Athens. They're going to have to do it again against a very good Gators team coming off a loss themselves. How does South Carolina respond to being an underdog at home? I mean, this is a chance for, I mean, it was only three or four weeks ago. A lot of fans ready to run Will Muschamp out of Columbia. If he wins this one, I mean, night and day difference in just a three-game span, a 3-0. and Remember, he's 2-0 and with the glasses. He's going to wear the glasses here against the Gators. Not that that really has anything to do with the game, but uh, <laughs> the South Carolina's giving away glasses, old man reading glasses to the student section. So a watch for that from this one. It's going to be a noon kickoff, but uh, expect the students to be wearing these glasses, supporting the cause here. I just think that's hilarious. Uh, but my concern for the Gamecocks is as the week goes on, it just sounds to me like Ryan Holinsky may not play. And I'm not necessarily hearing that uh, from anyone in Columbia, but on the uh, coaches' teleconference on Wednesday, Muschamp was asked about Holinsky. He was asked about Heiselinski. Said the freshman not cleared but looks fine. I mean, read, read between the lines there. Um, I don't know. It just it seems like a little bit of gamesmanship, maybe a little bit of what we saw from Mark Stoops all last week. Sawyer Smith was good to go for two weeks, remember? And then out comes Lynn Bowden. So would not shock me if Heiselinski does not play in this game. I think if uh, without him, it's going to be obviously a lot tougher with Holinsky in the lineup. I think the Gamecocks could possibly get it done. I thought some of these comments here from Muschamp's uh, weekly presser was was pretty outstanding on on getting what you earn, not what you deserve. Uh, I thought this was great, him talking about uh, the adjustments they made after this Missouri game because the defense just looks like a different unit after that one. Maybe we know why here based on what Muschamp had to say. And then, of course, uh, Will Muschamp, all his connections to Florida, even though uh, none of the players there that he's really – you know, recruited there are still there, but he's still got a lot of connections to even the current roster there in Gainesville. Hey, well, I think uh, Lou Holtz once said that you never get the same like 18, 19 year olds from from week to week. I'm wondering how you approach sort of winning on the road, big game against Georgia, and then having your guys flush it the next week, getting back to, to Florida. How do you make sure that your guys do that? Well, you know, I told the team this morning, you know, in life generally, you don't always get what you want. But, but generally, you, you get what you deserve. And if you prepare right, and you prepare the right way, and you watch film the right way, and you work out and you practice the right way, and you have the right kind of preparation and focus leading into game day, and then all of that comes to fruition on game day, and you play well on game day, then you deserve the right, not saying you will, but you deserve the right to have the opportunity to win the game. If you don't prepare the right way, and you bask in something that happened in your past, and you think about that and not think about the president now, uh, then you don't deserve that right. Uh, so there's a difference between wanting something to happen and, and, and deserving it to happen, in my opinion. Uh, every week is a season here. Uh, we have certain things that we talk about all the time. You know, leave no doubt's been in our locker room from day one. Leave no doubt about your energy, your effort, your toughness, your discipline, your team first mentality, and the opportunity. You've got to earn it every single day. I mean, we have certain things that we talk about all the time in our organization, and every week's a season for us. And we're going to pour our guts into Florida and, uh, and, and hopefully create the opportunity to deserve the right, to have the right to win on game day. Well, when you guys decided to go 4-3 for your base defense, how did that meeting go? Was it you and T-Rob? Did somebody bring it up? Just how did that decision come about? Sitting by myself in the Missouri locker room figuring out what we need to do to get better. And that was just in my mind, knowing that Sherrod Green has played better uh, 
than the other guys we were putting in the game at the time, and we need to adapt some things defensively and make some adjustments. You know, well, as most of your Florida players have, you know, gone on to graduate or, you know, gone on to the NFL, has it gotten easier for you, do you think, to, to play them, you know, moving forward? No, because they got a good team. <laughs> um, you know, again, it, it is what it is. They got three brothers down there. Johnny, Tommy's a, Tommy's a punter. I coached his uh, brother, Johnny, and the Townsend family. And then you got Marco. We coached Quincy. And I remember sitting in the, the living room there with, uh, uh, Chad and Carmen down in South Florida, and Marco was about that tall <laughs> in the in the living room there. And they've got all their athleticism from Carmen, not not uh, the dad Chad, that's for sure. He played at Miami, and then uh, Frankie Hammond, Josh's brother. You know, uh, you know boy, what a great play in 2012. We're up there at Knoxville, and uh, Jeff threw a, a curl right there to Frankie, broke two tackles, and took it about 65 yards for a touchdown. Huge win for us. But, you know, again, it, at the end of the day, uh, I had a wonderful experience there, but I'm, I'm glad we're at South Carolina and looking forward to, to game day. They got a good team, so it's, it's always hard. All right, I just thought these comments here were must champ. They were great. Just kind of gives you a window into the fact that, uh, you know, he's still got so many ties to this Florida program. And I know he would love to win this. He'd love to win every game, but I think this one fuels him a little bit more. Not necessarily saying that gives them an edge or anything this week because, uh, like I said, you know, any game you lose, your fans are going to be calling you out. Any game you win, fans are going to be praising you. It's no no different in this game for the Gamecocks here. But uh, I just thought that was an interesting uh, comments there from Muschamp. Sounds like he's really geared in, ready for this one. All right, so let's jump on down to Gainesville where Dan Mullen, of course, met with the media this week. Uh, the Gators coming off a tough loss to LSU, 14-point game, but it was a lot closer than that. I mean, they could have scored at the very end. Uh, they had, you know, the interception there in the red zone in the fourth quarter. I mean, they they switched those two. It's a different ball game, obviously. So uh, Gators, even without some premier defensive players, very much in that LSU game. I don't expect them to have the struggles like they did last year's you know, everyone keeps pointing to the fact they lost to Georgia and just looked terrible against Missouri last year, but that was a totally different story. I mean, they were essentially eliminated from the East when they lost to Georgia. Not saying, you know, they, they, should, they should not have laid an egg there. They certainly shouldn't have, but they still have everything in front of them, especially after Georgia lost. That probably gave them a little bit more confidence moving forward to know that, hey, they're still in the same spot with Georgia, yes, they're looking up at Missouri in the standings at the moment, but uh, you know that's not that big of a deal. Uh, so, but one issue in that LSU game, you know, the LSU has not necessarily been uh, that great of a running team. They really shredded this Gators defense. That was a surprise to me. And South Carolina, one of the SEC's best this year, under Rico Dell running the ball. And if it's going to be Joiner under center, not saying it is, but if it is. You know, that uh, running game is going to be that much more dangerous. So Dan Mullen was asked about uh, how they kind of fix those issues running the ball on handling the defeat better than they did last year. And then on facing Will Muschamp, which uh, he has done many times in his coaching career. These two have had a lot of battles, and uh, they're just going to have their latest one here on Saturday. And second look on the run defense. Was there anything that uh, stood out as problematic there? Well, we had a couple of bad fits. Uh, you know, one touchdown, we had a guy lined up, didn't get lined up. Um, another one, we, we had a bad fit uh, on the back end. 
you know, it's, I don't know. There's one thing that is there. There's just several things, and you can't, you know, you, you when you get in big, the bigger the game, and as the season goes on, the margin for error shrinks. And, you know, so when you're, you're in a game like that, you know, you one guy misaligned, instead of it being second and four, it's seven nothing. And, you know, that's where the margin for error has got to be so exact in those games. And then last year after the Georgia loss that kind of snowballed into the Missouri loss, you really pushed this team and told them what they needed to play for. Do you feel that this team this year is better equipped to handle this loss? We're going to find out because, you know, I mean, after the Missouri lost, we, you know, um, I don't know, we won 10 in a row in New Year's Six Bowl, beat three of our rivals, and two top ten victories. So which one? Uh, that's what I asked. Which I don't know. Well, you got to see which one. I know I know which one I want to show up. I know how my attitude's going to be towards the week. Let's hopefully it's the second one within our team, which is a team that, you know, uh, kind of responded in a big way to that loss with in how they dealt with adversity and not the, the, the first one where I don't think we handled it very well. Hey, Tom, uh, Edgar. Oh, Will Muschamp, you faced him several times here as OC and then at Mississippi State. Oh, I got State. you. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what stands out about his defenses? Yeah, they play hard. He does a good job. They have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. They give you a lot of different multiple looks. I think they mix a lot of different things up, which is always a challenge. Um, you know, and uh, but you watch them. I mean, you watch them the last couple of games. You watch the guys. I mean, they have his, you know, they're, they are a talented defensive front. Um, you know, probably a, a, as good or better than the, the defensive front we played last week. Um, you know, and then they got veteran linebackers that I think are, are great playmakers. And then the secondary, you saw their their corners, the length, the skill they have a corner, the playmaking ability that they have. So they have a lot of talent. He does a good job mixing things up to kind of keep you on edge and, uh, you know, of coverage, blitz, mixing up looks. Um, Bowie's done a good job of that. All right, so Mullen kind of broke it down, and Muschamp was actually asked on the teleconference uh, about facing Dan Mullen. Kind of, you know, he really praised Mullen, the game planner, and how he sees the game. I think uh, Dan Mullen would say much the same for Will Muschamp. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a game here because it's it's going to be a crossroads. Certainly, like I said, if South Carolina finds a way to defend their home field, I mean, I think they're going to be favored in every single game the rest of the way until they meet Clemson. And if they're riding a big winning streak into that game, I mean, who knows what can happen. On the other end, Florida, if they get a win, they're, they're still right there in the East. If they, they lose, I don't know, you might want to scratch them off in the East. So this is a huge game for SEC East implementation. Implications, implications moving forward. Uh, I can't wait for this one. And uh, as Donnell Stanley kind of noted there earlier, the Gamecocks have no issue with playing at noon. I don't think the Gators do either. I've seen them play noon this year a couple times. They're looking outstanding. So uh, I'm just looking for a really, really good game here in Columbia this weekend. All right, let's kick it over to the other Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Uh, we're Barry Odom met with the media here, and, of course, his team's riding high. Uh, I don't think they get enough credit for what they're doing right now. Of course, just now kind of got back into SEC play, so uh, what you do at a conference, obviously not nearly as impressive. But uh, Missouri really handled Ole Miss last weekend. I think that game was not quite as 
as close as the final score would indicate. Uh, but the Rebels, I think, are, are really an underrated team as well. So uh, that just goes to show you the level that Missouri is playing with. And uh, they're getting a good break here playing Vanderbilt. Yes, it's on the road. There's probably going to be more Missouri fans than Vanderbilt here. I apologize for the audio quality here. Uh, this is, uh, like I said, the Missouri, they do not like to share this audio. I did the best I can, and there's some clicking here, but uh, uh, so sorry for that. But, uh, but Barry Odom talked about Cale Garrett. I thought this was a great story. Um, obviously, their senior leader linebacker here just had surgery, but they still can't keep him off the practice field. And then uh, this is an interesting nugget. I think this is something that uh, may be overlooked heading into this matchup. But yes, we're going into week eight of the season. As crazy as that sounds, Missouri has not had a road game since week one, August 31st, all the way back at Wyoming. And of course, they lost that game. Not saying that uh, they're going to lose this Vanderbilt game just because it's their first road game, but Missouri's they've not experienced this since that time. That's, that's just kind of a weird nugget. So uh, Odom was asked uh, about how they handle that as well. Yeah, he was back. Uh, you know, we had to force him to stay overnight after the procedure. Uh, and that was a battle within itself to try to get him to stay. Um, but we tricked it's him and got him to stay overnight. And then the next morning, he was out there on the field at 8.30, ready to go and ask where his whistle was. We got him a whistle, and he's um, obviously a huge part of what we're going to continue to do, not only on the defensive side, but the, the functioning of our program. Yeah, we're going to treat it just like it's our first game of the year uh, on, on traveling. And we'll go through our travel tips and reminders. And because, like I think I said it the other night after the game, you know, I have a hard time remembering what we did yesterday, much less six weeks ago. So uh, we'll, we'll take a very elementary approach on, on this is the way it's supposed to look. This is what we're going to do. And then once we get to the hotel in Nashville, then, then we're locked in just like it's a, a home game for us to the, you know, to the minute. Um, you know, the same structure and the same setup. All right, Shane and I have been very high on Kel Garrett and his leadership skills for obvious reasons. And you kind of hear it here. I mean, my God, right after he's having surgery, he's got a whistle around his neck. He's leading practice for the linebackers. Uh, that just kind of goes to show what kind of kid this is, what kind of program Barry Odom has where, you know, this kind of leadership and development's going on. Uh, I just thought that was outstanding to hear. Kicking over to the other side, let's jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. Derek Mason met with the media here this week, and, man, he was pretty fired up, as you would expect. His team's, you know, really, really struggling. He had to face some tough questions this week, a lot on uh, his team, whether they quit and the leadership. He says he's stepping up into that leadership role. That's good to say in a press conference, but we need to see it on the field. Last week's performance against UNLV was pretty pathetic if they do that again against a Missouri team that I've been hyping up here they're just going to get destroyed I really need to see something here from the Commodores heading into this one and uh, if not if they have quit man it's, it's just going to get ugly so let's kick it over to Derek Mason where at least it seems like he's expressing the right stuff that he needs to heading into this matchup Derek uh no coach wants to see their team is quitting ever. You said fight the other day. You thought your team fought. Um, when you look back at the film, did you feel like effort was was there? Yeah, I thought I thought effort was there. I think you know, man. What happens again at times? You know, man. You you can see as the game went on. You know, man. There's some frustration. You know, man. Setting in, but you know, I mean, like the team didn't quit. 
uh, that you know, like quitting is a harsh word when you talk about a sport. Okay, I mean, quitting is laying down. I mean, I, I, I've I've never seen this team quit. I've never seen this team lay down. So uh, that that's that's not a conversation I'm going to have with you know anybody when it comes to this football team. Now, when you talk about lack of execution, when you talk about not functioning, when you talk about not hitting on all cylinders, we can have that conversation. That's a conversation worth having. But you know that's that's not who this team is, um, and that's not who I am. They're they're going to represent me. I'm going to represent them, um, and we fight for one another because we're one family, and that's exactly what we're going to be. Get some of the senior leaders on your team to help sell that message to some of the guys, and if so, who would they be? Yeah, you know, you know, when you talk about leadership, you know, like in this group, I think, man, right now, man, you got to be real careful, uh, man, about 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 just trying to give it to a few. Okay, you know, really, I've got to be the leader. Okay, man, um, our senior leadership, you know, man, guys that have been in this program for a while. Okay, man, man, have to, you know, man, toe the line. Okay, man, and continue to make sure that they pour into the young guys, and the young guys have to be able to listen because the noise is loud. So, you know, when I look at it, you know, it's a team, coach, uh, you know, administrative staff thing that starts at the top and permeates down. So, you know, when you want to talk about leadership, man, there can't be 15 captains. There can only be one captain. I'm the captain of the ship. I got to make sure, okay, that my colonels, my generals, my privates, my sergeants, and everybody else, okay, man, is walking along with me. I mean, they know my shoulders are broad enough. I got their back. They got mine. So we're going to ride. Is it important, though, for you to have those guys? Uh, help sell that message to the other guys, though, just to have guys on the team. So it's not just the coaches talking at them. It's it's the players that are selling your message to one another, too. Yeah, but, you know, that, that that's sold through actions. You know, you, you can you can talk about it as much as you want to, but you got to walk it. And you know what? I mean, you get to a point where all that stuff falls on deaf ears, okay? So, again, you they know me. I walk it, okay? I mean, they they expect me to walk it. Okay, man, they definitely expect, you know, man, me to be the model of it, stand on my own two feet, be able to, you know, man, defend exactly what I believe is family and ours, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, you know, man, they'll take my lead. We'll walk with each other. We'll get through the storm. I'm the captain of the ship. Let's ride. You know, one note, Shane and I kind of been hitting on the fact that uh, based on this point, we don't expect Derek Mason to return. Uh, one thing we should be should note here, uh, Mason got a contract extension before this season. He had two years left on his deal. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's probably uh, regretting that decision at this point, but uh, he got extended, I believe, for an extra two years. Now, we don't know how much money he gets. Vanderbilt's a private institution, so uh, we don't know the buyout figures there. But if you're talking four-year buyout at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's just not the school that uh, is really typically going to do that. So, I don't know. His seat might be a little bit safer than we expect. I know the team is really struggling, but that's something to consider with Derek Mason. His his seat may not be quite as hot as you think. Yet They did just buy out the basketball coach, but he had two years left on his deal. Again, Mason has four. So, what that means moving forward, it, it really just comes down to how – if Vanderbilt's able to come up with that buyout money, and I'm just I'm not sure they they will at this point. All right, last game on the docket here. Let's jump on down to Oxford. Aditari, Ole Miss. Where I kind of hit on it there, Ole Miss. You know, I think they're doing they're a lot better than I expected they would be. I keep saying that, but it's true. I mean, their defense night and day better from last season. Mike McIntyre's doing a hell of a job. Is John Rice Plumley got a huge uh, man crush on him? I mean, he's. He's just been outstanding. He truly is a playmaker. Now they got Matt Corral back, and it's created a, a very interesting dynamic here. Normally, you know, the old cliche, you got two quarterbacks, you don't got one. 
Uh, I think they certainly got one in John Rice Plumley. Matt Corral, I think it kind of remains to be seen, but they just give you something so unique for each one. Matt Corral, obviously the better thrower. Rice, dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. And, uh, you know, they broke out a little... They would switch quarterbacks in between plays, even in the same series at time against Missouri. Uh, so Matt Luke was asked about that, and I thought this was pretty interesting because uh, the way Texas A&M has been playing, not that they've been totally poor, but uh, you know they're kind of reeling a bit. I think if they're not careful, Ole Miss can knock them off this weekend in Oxford. Matt, after, after watching the film, I mean, any revelations about the quarterback position and how you guys will approach that this week? No, it just, uh, you know, we got you know, two really, really good competitors that have very unique skill sets. And that, that's probably the difference is most people that have quarterbacks are, are similar. These guys have unique skill sets and they're both competing. I was very impressed with how they fed off of each other and how unselfish they were pulling for each other on the sideline. I think that impressed the, the guys on the sideline as well. So I think that that's unique. But I've, I've been proud of them with the way not only they've been competing against each other, but also pulling for each other. I know you talk a lot about trying to win this week, trying to get better this week. Do you tell your players anything different this week about the importance of this game, or is it kind of same as? No, let's go Let's go try to find a way to win this game, and that's that's the important. And obviously, you know, you have a, uh, a long-term perspective about building the program and getting to where you want, but you have to have a, a short-term focus in trying to find a way to win this week. You know, guys like Benito and Austrian and, and Alex Gibbons, you owe it to those guys. And, and, uh, and again, I think that's what you try to do every week, and that, that's the challenge in this conference. Hey, let's go find a way to beat Texas A&M this week. Balls and deep opportunities that we could potentially make. Matt, uh, after the game, John Rice thought that, that uh, rotating the quarterbacks on the same possessions very quickly, almost play after play, that that, that created some confusion for Missouri. Did, did you sense that? Well, I think uh, they have to play them totally different. So I don't know if confusion is the word, but it is a whole different set of problems that a defense has to worry about. Is that something that uh, we might see moving forward? With yeah, based guys? on game plan, for sure. If we think it gives us the best chance to win the game, we'll do it. I don't think anything is out, out of the, the question, but it'll be based on game plan and what we feel gives us the best chance to win. Looking forward to this weekend. What have you kind of seen from Texas A&M? What do they do well? What are you guys trying to attack with them? Uh, you know, defensively, that's where I spent most of my time watching. They're very, very good inside. You know, Matabuke and, and Brown, they're very physical and fast twitch inside. Very good at linebacker. They're long in the secondary, really long. And then uh, offensively, they got several good receivers. And then Mond is an experienced quarterback. He can hurt you with his legs and he can throw it. So it's a, it's a huge challenge on both sides of the ball. All right, so you have it there from Matt Luke. I mean, things are going to get interesting here. You know, the Rebels still fighting, still scratching to get to bowl eligibility. It's been a several years since they have. They're playing like they want it. And, yes, they keep losing some of these games. But, uh, I mean, they got two SEC wins at this point. That's more than a lot of people, including myself, would have given them heading into the season. Look pretty solid against Missouri. I thought they looked great against Alabama for the most part outside of their pass defense. That's going to be a huge issue going into this game. But, uh, hey, don't rule out Ole Miss in this one. I know Texas A&M's favored, but uh, look for the, the Rebels to really give them a match this weekend. Jumping down to the other side of this matchup, let's go on down to College Station. Giga Maggots. Where Jimbo Fisher met with the media and uh, you know, that their special teams really got exposed against the Crimson Tide. That was a huge factor in that game last weekend. 
Waddell, and I believe it was Judy also had a return. But, I mean, they were just flipping the field like no other. And that's really surprising considering uh, the fact that A&M plays a lot of starters on special teams. You know, they've had a lot of outstanding specialists over the year. They, they probably have the best punter in the nation. So uh, this is not something you expect from this Texas A&M team. That's something they've got to get cleaned up. And then I thought uh, these were some interesting comments as well from Jimbo on how when you run the quarterback, it may not be as dangerous as you think when it comes to you know, the hits the quarterback's taken. Uh, this is kind of insightful, something I never even realized, but I think it right on the mark here. And then finally on uh, the fact that, yes, they keep playing these elite teams, they keep losing to them. But Jimbo Fisher says, uh, you know, you got really got to read between the lines to see progress in games where you're losing. Fans... We all do it. We see the record. We look at the losses and say, well, hell, that team's not getting any better. But uh, that's not necessarily always the case. How, what, do you, what can you do during the week to try to fix some of those issues? Can, can you put more starters in special teams? Well, there is a lot of starters in there, and we're keeping them rotating out. But also how they fit and what they do. And as I say, there's almost there's over half starters on both, yes. And we've always believed in playing the best players on special teams. I don't believe that you, you don't play your starters on special teams. We play the best guys in which we have, and we rep guys in those positions all year long and in the off week, you know, repping guys that can handle that position and what that guy's talent level is. So if you look, there is still quite a, a, quite a few starters, probably I'm trying to think on punt. Is it seven or eight? I think it's something in that, re- it's in, that, in that realm of our starters are on those special teams. So you put your best players on special teams, no doubt. With how effective Kellen's been running the ball as of late, how do you balance with him uh, – pulling, running the ball, getting those extra yardage, and, and being able to protect himself uh, when he's taking more hits? Well, usually when you're running the ball out of the pocket, you don't take the hits you take in the pocket because you know when those hits are coming. You may get hits, you may do, but you've got to play the game. If, they, if it's, a, it's committed that you run it, you run it. If you throw it, you throw it. If you hand it, you hand it. And the punishment you take out of the pocket, like I always said, is usually not as drastic as what you take in the pocket because of those are sometimes the hits you do not see and are con, confined in a tight area. And, and following up on the improvement and, and that sort of thing, and this may be a dumb question, but when you're evaluating, it probably is, but when no. you're evaluating your team, how much, how difficult is it when you look at the three losses that have come against teams that are 17 and 1 in terms of gauging improvement, gauging consistency, gauging breakdowns? There's everything all those in public and, and coaches too. It's still wins and losses, and you got to win games. But at the same time, you gotta, you got to be able to see how a young man is getting better and more consistent when you grade him out. You know, because each player gets graded out individually. I grade the whole team. I grade the plays. Are the plays there? Are they not there? Can they be executed? Is it something that we're running, I call, into a dead play sometimes? Every now and then a defense has something called or an offense has something to get you. But, you know, those aren't the things. But the thing, you, you grade, how much more consistent is he? Then you look at the guy he's playing. Is a guy sometimes a guy's playing against a first round draft pick. Sometimes the guy's not a draft pick. So you got to judge who his competition level is, how his consistency is, how his steps are, and you got to stay the course because you can see a lot of things that other folks don't, and and that other folks don't care about. And I don't mean that in disregard because listen, fans and people want wins, they want results, they want success. We all do. Coaches do too. But we as we have to keep things in perspective of how we're looking at the film and what we see on the film as guys are growing and, and getting much better. And that's how you do it as a coach. All right, there you have it from Jimbo. You know, I just really thought that was some interesting comments there. Something to consider moving forward. Maybe this team is a lot better than we're seeing. As Jimbo certainly seems to, to feel like that. He conveyed similar comments on the Wednesday teleconference. Really liked the direction of his program. Now, he, he was talking a lot about recruiting when he said that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how these Aggies respond now that, uh, you know, they've suffered two tough losses this season already. 
not saying it, you know this, they were in a similar situation last year and rebounded, so I'm not saying they can't do it again, but uh, you just never know how these kids are going to respond when their season, the expectations they had coming into the season kind of go away. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond to that. All right, that's all I got on this one, guys. I just wanted to give you a podcast. really felt bad. I did not want two days to pass without a podcast, and I'm sure you're all hoping and praying. Cousin Shane comes back to make this a much more entertaining podcast. He will be back on Friday. Just give him, a, like I said at the, at the front of the show there, you know, reach out to Cousin Shane at Big Orange Vols with a Z at the end there. Reach out to him on Twitter. Let him know you're thinking about him. I think he'd really appreciate that. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this one. And don't forget to uh, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes podcast, whatever the hell it's called. And uh, we still got, uh, you know, for all our five-star written reviews, we're sending out koozies. We still got plenty of those. We got some orange, red, black, blue, and then we ordered purple, crimson, and maroon. So get those in. We'll send you a koozie. Reach out to us either on Twitter, on the Reddit page. We got an email at, uh, it's our email address is thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's another way to get a hold of us. Uh, show us that uh, you've done that. We'll send you a koozie. That's going to do it for this one. I'll catch you on the next one. Give me your rock and I was ready to roll. On to California with the gun angel.